Welcome to Walk-Ins Welcome. We are excited for episode 10 of Walk-Ins Welcome, and we have a special guest with us, Dr. Jason Junkins. Michael, tell us about Jason. So Dr. Junkins, one, yeah, he has been in the urgent care world for quite a while now. I've known him since, I believe, 2012, but he currently owns Southern Immediate Care, which is a three-location urgent care since 2016. He also owns Alabama Cremation and Funeral Services, and he's also medical director for two different companies. So his credentials go super, super deep in the urgent care and just medical world. And so we're super excited to have you on here doc- today, Dr. Junkins. Welcome to the Thank podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Junkins, that is a, a laundry list of I've done some things in my life, right? <laughs> so uh, I got to ask the question. What is the one thing that surprised you about opening your first urgent care? I got to know. How expensive it was. <laughs> oh, okay. How expensive it was. <laughs> you, 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 all right. Now I'm going to make you dive into that a little bit. So is that is that overhead as in buildings? Is that overhead as in doctors? Like, what does that look like? Oh, just as a, as a global concept, it, it, it it's a lot more than you expect. And then, you always expect to have a certain amount based off your pro forma and then all the gotchas come along as well. So uh, it can be an eye opener. I totally guess that. <laughs> uh, I believe that we we've had a, a few people that we've worked with and I know uh, from a pure franchise perspective, I think it started at $80,000 just to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before you've even like broken ground. I can imagine the costs are way up there. That's medical for you though, right? That's right. That's right. It adds to the price tag, everything you do in medical. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your story. I want to hear, I know that uh, before we got on this call, uh, we talked about you being an entrepreneur. Walk us through that path of what got you as an entrepreneur. And more importantly, of course, being a doctor moved you into uh, urgent cares and immediate cares and cremation services, all of those things. How did you get there? Well, it's an uh, interesting story you know a lot of people have a linear course through their lifetimes of their careers mine is more like a ball of fishing wire and um, I started out in the funeral business actually as a high school student uh, helping the local funeral home on the weekends and uh, doing odd jobs around there and then actually went to mortuary school after I graduated high school Um, that's when I realized I wanted to be a doctor and I thought I'd wanted to be a doctor my whole life anyway. And so uh, I went on, finished my undergraduate work. And at that point, went on to UAB to medical school and then to South Alabama to do my residency training in internal medicine pediatrics. And uh, I did traditional medicine for a while. I had a private practice and uh, worked in the hospital and the clinics and did all of that, but as I did that, I was always employed by someone else, and it was several years into my career that I realized that as long as I work for somebody else, I will always make the widgets, and you're never really going to get ahead if you're the one that's making all the widgets. You can make some of the widgets, and you might have to make all the widgets for a period, But if your business model is, as the owner, you're the widget maker, you're never going to move to the next level. And so it was at that point that I took the leap uh, back in 2012 and opened my first urgent care. 
And I said, you know, live or die, I'm going to do this myself and figure it out. And uh, I'd rather die on my own than to uh, live uh, with the uncertainty of being an employee for the rest of my life. And so that's when I opened uh, my first set of clinics. I opened three clinics called Express Family Care. And in 2014, sold those clinics to another company and worked for them for a short period of time after the transaction and then uh, opened Southern Immediate Care after that. So I'm curious, um, how old were you when you started Express Oh, let's say 2012. So I would have been 40. Let's see. I get my math all, all mixed up. I'd have been in my early 40s. I love that time frame. I know uh, I started my company when I was 38. I'm 42 now. And it's it's right about everybody thinks that you have to start a business when you're in tw- 20s, maybe fresh out of college or not even in college. And, and here you and I are uh, cranking it out in our, in our middle ages. I love that so much. That fires me up. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You strike me as somebody who probably is a reader and just what you talked about being the entrepreneur and the way that you spelled that out. Have you, have you had a chance to read Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad? Oh yeah. That's a great book. Uh, I love that book. And, and that whole concept really what woke me up to realizing that I had it all backwards and the medical model has it even more backwards than even other businesses because okay. in the medical model the the doctor the 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 who is usually the owner so we'll put the doctor in the owner position and even if he is the owner he or she is the owner then the doctor is making the widgets while everybody who works for the doctor is standing around waiting for the doctor to produce the product. And so it just never made any sense. And, uh, and and I actually had read that. I can't claim that, but I'd read that somewhere and I thought, you know what, that's true. Uh, I'm the one that's actually doing the work while everybody else waits for me to do the work. Right. It's pretty good. <laughs> well, I was fascinated by what uh, Robert Kiyosaki said, which you figured out is what I loved about it. And I wanted to know if you read it or if you just figured it out um, when he talks about that quadrant where you're either an employee or you're a business, uh, you're a business owner, you're an investor, or you have a business system, right? So uh, that employee obviously trades hours for dollars and works for somebody um, that business owner or self-employed, if you will, they they own it, but they're still trading hours for dollars. They're the ones who have to go in and a doctor's got a doc, right? So you're in there seeing the patients and doing the things. And then there's the investor, which isn't really what we're talking about now, but the business system uh, where you have multiple locations, multiple doctors, and now you've built uh, almost a freedom model. Oh, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm much more content to make less money and have more freedom and at least in my mind that's what the money is there for it's not to necessarily buy stuff it's to offer me freedom from my day-to-day prison cell in 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 my in my world to be to be confined to a room or a building all day long is in my world is just like being locked up in jail Uh, Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel that on a personal level, Dr. Jenkins. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're talking to me. (laughs) 
That's right. And, and for a lot of people, that's, that's it. I mean, um, you know, my, my, my grandparents and, and to some degree, my parents, uh, did, did, this, did that. And it, it works well for, for a lot of people and for most people, but there's, there's a certain group of people that that just doesn't work well for. And, and I'm one of them. I just, I like the freedom, uh, you know, and there's, as you guys know, there's a ton of risk associated with being an entrepreneur and uh, certain people just are not interested in that degree of risk. And, and, and it is, as you guys know, it's unnerving when you first get in the business. It's like, oh, man, I got to make payroll. Uh, but the, the longer you're in it, if you're a true entrepreneur, you're, you, you grow to develop a comfort and a yin and a yang with that with that risk. Now, I do have to say the older I get, the more risk averse I get because I don't mind failing because failing is not really what it is. It's just another learning opportunity, but uh, there's less runway ahead of me than there is behind me. So to have to rebuild my life uh, in my mid fifties now, uh, I I, I do tend to scrutinize the risks uh, of a new challenge more than I used to. You know, for, for those of our listeners, I mean, obviously this is an urgent care podcast and, and you work in that space. There are people that are listening to this that have, I don't know, dozens of urgent cares. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are listening to this that that maybe have one, maybe they're new in the business. Um, what have been the pros of, what have been some of the pros and cons, if you will, of having a multi-location urgent care? Some people may not have that exposure yet. Well, and you're, you're exactly right. I've got, I've got good friends that, that own, you know, 20 plus. I've got friends that own, you know, one. I've got and, and everything in between. And so there's so much to learn. But, um, the, you know, I think some of the, the, the challenges associated with a multi-location operation is there's just only one of me. And right. yeah. And, and that's actually the challenge I've had with scaling. And that's, uh, to be quite honest with you, the reason I'm at three right now instead of 10 is because uh, we were actually, I was poised in late 2019, early 2020. I had plans for number four and five already laid out. And when COVID hit, we had to sort of reel that back in and just make sure, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen then. And so after during the covid crisis we 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 actually wound up opening a molecular lab instead of doing more clinics and that was just sort of what was necessary at the time and and it worked out good and it worked out really well financially and it worked out well from a business model but to go back to your original question and i think if you've got listeners who own multiple sites they would agree with with this nobody knows the exact number, but the concept is, you know, when I own more than one, I get up to three or four locations. Well, there's only so much of me to go around, Mm -hmm. but there's really not enough money to put in that big team, the big team that you need to go say four or five, take me to six, seven or 10 locations. And so there's an inflection point where you either have to say, you know what, I'm happy at and we'll just use my situation. I'm happy at three and I can still manage the day to day. There's enough of me to go around. But if I go four, 
then I'm going to need to have a CFO. I'm going to need to have uh, a more more well-defined COO. I'm going to need to have these people. And these people, to get the right people, they cost money, and they cost a lot of money. And so you have to be okay with your margins going down while you build that team to go to the next level. So fascinating. I, ne- I never thought uh, when you hit that three or four mark, you just have to make a hard decision of we're going to push over this mountain or just stay where we're at. Um, but it sounds like, you, you know, you have you, you know where you want to go, which is good. Um, so what plans do you have coming into 2022? Well, you know, right now, COVID is still, it, it's, it's, it's here to stay, I believe. And so the question is, is what does that look like? And mm-hmm. so right now I'm taking more of a, a methodical approach. Um, generally, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, throw caution to the wind. Let's throw jello up against the wall, see if it sticks. And, hey, let's open this clinic. And if it does, great, great. If it doesn't, then we'll move somewhere else. I, I am trying to be a little more intentional about what I'm doing. So growth is still on the horizon. So I think the question is, is what does that look like? Um, we clearly need to increase our number of clinics at some point. But uh, when we detoured and did the molecular lab uh, that we added to the our, our current business, that that's really a business in an it in unto itself. It's it's got it's something that was really out of my comfort zone, and I didn't know anything about it when I did it. And uh, so it was, uh, we had a, a steep learning curve, but it's actually turned out to be uh, quite interesting, and has much better margins actually than opening clinics. And so right now we're trying to figure out where we go with that. Do we? Uh, do we need to take it to the next clinic level? Do we need to focus more on the lab? And so right now, a lot of that is determined by what COVID does, you know, and Omicron. Now, we do more than COVID in our molecular lab, but obviously with all that's going on, COVID uh, is sort of front and center. So once we sort of get a feeling of where COVID is going to sort of settle out, then we'll know more about which direction we're going to go. I think it's going to be just become more of, you know, like flu and everything else. It's going to be part of our everyday lives. I don't think it's going away. So I think once once we know that for sure, at that point, we can look more towards growth and uh, which direction we take after that. So talking about growth, uh, so on this podcast, we're all about marketing with Urgent Cares. From your experience, because you've now gone through two separate urgent care companies, what tends to be, what marketing do you end up doing typically? What would have been your lessons from your marketing? Uh, anything that can kind of give some insights to our listeners would be some good starting points from that standpoint. Okay, great, great. Yeah, the, it's a good question. I think a lot of what you do in marketing depends on your geographic location. Um, what works here may not work in Dallas, Texas. Uh, what works in Birmingham may not work well in Gadsden. Oh, yeah. So I think geography plays a lot with it. But clearly, Internet marketing is at the top of the food chain where all that goes. Um, if you don't have a good Internet presence, uh, then that's going to uh, limit your growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a 
I've never used a lot in the way of, of billboards. I actually have a couple of billboards. They, they, they're situated on top of my clinics and that's sort of my billboard strategy. If, if the only way I get a billboard is if it's situated that I can use it set almost like a, like a road sign. Yeah. Uh, I actually in my, my areas tend to be smaller communities. I've had a lot of success with direct mail when we open up a new clinic too. So, so I always have a direct mail component, but then digital is, and the internet is, is definitely front and center. Facebook, uh, using, utilizing that helps. Um, I'm not a Facebook fan in general. I, but unfortunately, we're in this <laughs> I'm a marketing podcast by digital marketers who aren't fans of Facebook, not because we can't do it. Actually, we're good at it, but it's it's such a frustrating platform. So I feel you. It's on a that. struggle sometimes. <laughs> oh, it is. Well, and because it gives people an opportunity to make claims against you in a negative aspect that you as a healthcare provider because of HIPAA, HIPAA laws and things like that, you, you're, you're basically a, a sitting duck and right. whatever anybody says, you can't refute it. You can't explain it. You can't, there's, you know, and the older I've gotten, the thing I've learned is no matter whether it's in business or in life or at the house with your wife or your kids, there's always two sides of the story. And the truth is somewhere probably in between. And so, yeah, Facebook to me has been, just a necessary evil. I can't stand it, but, but you have to have it. And it's just, if it went away tomorrow, if they shut it down, I'd be at the front of the line. Just Well, they <laughs> kind of, they, they, they renamed it because they knew the writing was on the wall. Gosh, it was, I, I'll tell you this on me. It wasn't until about two months ago. I even had my own Facebook. I don't even, I, I don't even, I don't even look at that mess. I don't even like it, but uh, there was a group that I wanted to join my wife's the Facebook guru. And I don't even, I don't even look at it. And so I finally broke down and got a Facebook account and in about three days, uh, deleted it. Cause I said, I can't stand it. I don't, I don't it like the platform. Fast. I don't like it. And, oh yeah. Was, I, but, but then I wound up getting back on it because I really wanted to, there was this group and all they did was Facebook. And it's like, I leave. I, you know, I've got to, if I'm going to interact with this group, I'm going to have to get on it. So my daughter now, so if any of y'all are friends with me on Facebook, uh, it's my daughter that is managing it because I don't do anything but go look at my little group. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Uh, well, all right. So I got a couple of fire off questions that I want to do for you. Um, the first one is, is that you're, I'm, I'm looking at you at two phases of business. All right. So as a startup, what is the one thing in marketing that you wish you had done first and you regret not doing it like right out of the gate? What do you wish you had done in marketing? I wish that right out of the gate, and this is very, very uh, fear inducing when you're at your very first clinic. I wish I'd have hired a, a marketer to be mm. on staff with me right out of the gate. I think that would have been very beneficial, but I didn't do it. And uh, I've got somebody now that, that works in that role, but, but I wish I'd, uh, I would have uh, bit the bullet and done that right out of the gate. Love it. Okay. Now think to where you are today. What marketing are you doing that like, I, if I have to cut it, this is what I'm cutting. 
Oh, billboards. Uh, even, <laughs> even the two. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even the two I had. And, hey, and, and billboards, they have their place. Um, and uh, they, they, they are great for some, some industry, but for ours, or at least it may be good in some of the listeners, but for me, they're just not very – and uh, uh, my buddy, I won't call his name, my buddy at Lamar, who's a good friend of mine and I get my billboards from, uh, I love him and he's great and we have a great relationship. And that particular billboard is a great billboard, but otherwise I'm, a, I'm not a billboard guy. That's funny. Oh, man. Enough. So so um, we, we, we talk about all different kinds of marketing. It all comes down at the end and like, what is the goal? What are the metrics you're trying to measure? So um, I'll ask you, now that you've grown, what do you measure? What what do you call success in marketing? Like, what does a win look like? Well, well it's, it's, got, it's two phases. Number one is to get the patient in the door. Mm-hmm. But the second part of that is if the patient comes in the door and they don't remain your patient, then you've created a bigger problem than you had before they were your patient. Because yeah. if you don't keep that patient, there's a reason you didn't keep them. And if you didn't keep them, they're going out and they're telling everybody how terrible you are. So, mm-hmm. so I, for us, I think it's a two, two-pronged approach. You got to get the patient in the door and then you got to keep the patient. So just to add to that question, what are some key things that you guys do to keep the patient other than just, you know, just, <laughs> other than just, you know, being a good doctor and diagnosing, but beyond that, how else do you try to keep that patient as an ongoing one? Well, we, I, I, simp- I try to dumb things down because I'm not very smart and I, I just have to keep it straightforward. And what, what we talk about in our meetings is, is I, I have really three, three big things. And the first, of course, is good medical care, because if you don't deliver good medical care, everything else is off. Yeah. The second is time. We try as hard as we can to get every patient in and out the door within an hour. Um, you know, in the summertime, that's re- real easy. In the wintertime, especially with COVID, it's virtually impossible. But, but, but our metric that we use is, 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 is that one hour to try to get them in and out. And then the last component of that is be nice about it. We, we want to be kind to people. And because there's people don't feel good when they come to the doctor. And, um, and it can be a challenge to take care of folks that don't feel good. And it can be a challenge to deal with uh, doctors and providers that aren't very nice to people. So what we, we want to do is, is we want to try to make the patient care experience a positive one by being nice to people, kind to people, being empathetic to whatever's going on. And we, we try, we don't, we're not always, we're not always successful, but we, we sure do. We sure do try. So I'm not going to say who it is because we have a lot of urgent cares that we work with. Um, but we have one <laughs> that gets one star after one star after one star after one star. Two things that I take away from that 
Dr. Junkins is one, we're bringing them a ton of patients <laughs> and two, they're not handling them well. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm positive about those two things. Just one thing to get that, that one star review from time to time, but when they're coming up twice a day, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, oh yeah. And, and it brings up my favorite quote uh, from Dave Ramsey and I'm sure he got it somewhere else, but a, a great marketing campaign will make a poor business model fail faster. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, that's a, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, you said that from Dave Ramsey. I'll give credit to, uh, I don't know if you guys follow Keith Cunningham. Um, Keith Cunningham has a, has, has a course called uh, the four day MBA and he's written several books, phenomenal businessman. Uh, but very similar to that comment is, you know, all growth is not good. And if you grow a tumor, that's not a good thing. Man, that's so good. <laughs> All right, awesome. I'm going to give you credit for that twice, and then it's mine forever. Dr. Junkins, man, I'm telling you, we've both had a good time on this podcast uh, with you today. We do our very best to keep these things 20 minutes or less for that commute, for that uh, urgent care provider that's trying to get back and forth. Uh, uh, to their clinic. So will you leave us with some parting thoughts? What is one thing that you would like to say to that urgent, that urgent care that has one location? Um, what words of wisdom would you like to offer them? Well, the, is, and that is keep it simple. Hmm. Just do a good, I mean, because if you, well, actually I'm going to add something to that. Keep it simple, take good care of patients and be nice to them and be cognizant of their time that's that's part a part b is and we didn't get a lot into this this could be an entire podcast series and that is hire the right people mm, and yeah. that right now especially in this day and age it's it's a challenge to even hire people because of the workforce situation but but it, but if you just fill a seat with a warm body that can really destroy your business more than anything find good people pay them well, pay them more money than they could make them, make them have to take a pay cut to leave you to go somewhere else. Yeah, and good. because if you don't have good people, man, uh, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle the whole way. Yep. I agree. No, I totally agree. I'm only going to add this caveat. Uh, sometimes you can pay them really well and you want them to leave and they won't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've had some. I've had some of them. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a real world example. All well, right. I, I just made me think like, what's been your favorite hire? Oh, snap. There's people listening. Like, you don't have to say <laughs> names, but maybe like a position that you didn't think would be such a, that helped you a ton. Is there a certain position? I know you well, talked about a marketing director. Is there, is that, is there any others? Well, I'll tell you, my, my COO and uh, I love all my employees and I love my whole team and I have, an incredible leadership team uh and and but i think my leadership team would also agree with what i'm about to say when i had my first set of clinics my coo currently was the office manager for a clinic in birmingham that um uab was going to close and i guess the lord just brought that clinic to us because we found out about it through uh, mutual friends and I approached UAB and pretty well, they left one day and I took over the next. But I actually remember the, that. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's right, because you were helping us back then. Yeah, I do. And it was, we, joked, we joked about UAB's 
networking cables and the the, the chaos they had. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And we and my office manager then that that this same person that's the COO, she chose. She'd been with UAB for over twenty years, oh, wow. and she chose to hitch her wagon to to my train, and she has been with me ever since. Except, you know, we when I sold, she had to stay with the company for a while. But then after that, she left and came back with me. And that has been the best hire. She's just a phenomenal person, high integrity. Uh, it's, one, it's one of those people that you don't, you really could, you can go to bed at night and you don't have to worry about if the right thing is being done. Nice. We'll, we'll send a link to, to this podcast. Too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's, sure. right. that's right. We'll send it to you. You share it with her. Well, let go. me recap. Here's, here's, here's what I heard from you today, Dr. Junkins. Take great care of the patients that are coming through the door. Try and get them in in an hour. Be kind. Be a human being to them. Keep things simple. Hire the right people and pay them well. Does that sound about right? That sums it up. If you can do those things well in any business, yeah, then yeah. you're gonna uh, you're gonna do well. Awesome! What a wealth of knowledge. Um, the other thing that I heard you say is that you agreed on air to come back to our podcast for a hiring <laughs> session. We're gonna take you up on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. No, I'd I'd love to do that. Let me tell you though, the the other piece of advice to, that I would tell anybody opening up is, th and this is probably aside from those things, the most important as an individual owner operator, and that is, is number one, never stop learning. Mm -hmm. Number two, swallow your ego because there's always somebody out there that you can learn from. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just a little rinky dink urgent care owner compared to a lot of these guys out there, but I've learned so much from people who've been ahead of me and who've, who've learned the hard way. And I try to learn from those guys. And so there's so much out there that you can learn as, as an individual. And then lastly, just very quickly is get a peer group of people that are in, in your business that you can be transparent with and learn from. Uh, I still meet with a group of people. Um, and I was, I was on a board for a long time and I still have those, that, that network of people that are my friends, that they know my financials, they know uh, the ups and the downs and everything else with our business. But, you know, we'll have a, we'll have an HR question or something like that. We'll call one of our buddies that has a set of clinics and ask them how they handle it. And those things are invaluable. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. I love it. Well, Dr. Junkins, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, I think we, we were learning as you were talking. Absolutely. So, it wasn't just about marketing, it was about, about life to a certain degree. So thank you again. Uh, we'll be posting this episode. Uh, well, we're recording in December, but when you listen to this, it'll be in January. So we're excited to push that out. Well, doc, But thank you, Dr. Junkins. You have a great week and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you.